0: Hello. Welcome, everyone. It is the Field Goals Podcast. I am Dana O'Gorman. So on Twitter, I have gotten this reputation amongst Seahawks fans of being a positive fan. I I, I love that, that, right? That is is who I am and that's what I love. Um, People come to me when they're down and they're like, okay, what's a positive in this? I have a hard time being the only person out there some days. It feels like Twitter can get really down and negative. And yet, this year, I found a fellow positive friend. I was so excited to see him online. I had been following him for years, and all of a sudden, out he comes positive about this year's Seattle Seahawks. So I had to have him on the podcast. I want to welcome Griffin Sturgeon. He is a co-host for the Seattle Overload podcast. And he is a fellow positive person. I'm so excited you're here, Griffin. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Hi, Dana. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for bringing me on. We we need to inject some more optimism, (laughs) I think, even if just for the sake of it. Especially
0: Um, after last week. Absolutely. I think that's true. But what I have found so fascinating about the work that you do and and i love your work you guys are so analytical on your podcast i love that you guys dive deep into stats and plays and all of that but i really have felt this year that you have this positive ring that holds true with what me myself and and many others are thinking it's like we want to see movement forward we want to see growth we want to see this um team look like it's maturing and then you back it up with the great information that you share on your podcast. And I love that. But one area that I have found really fascinating is your positivity toward Geno Smith. Now, before we get into that, I want to ask you, the Seattle Seahawks are sitting at one and two right now, won a huge game against the Denver Broncos, um, lost to the San Francisco 49ers pretty badly And then lost a tight game to the Atlanta Falcons last week. Is this where you expected this team to be three games into the season?
1: Um, One and two was definitely a realistic possibility. I thought going into it, looking at the schedule, um, I thought they just just as easily could have been two and one. Um, You know, I thought the Broncos game just by while I think Denver is set up to be a better team this year just for for this season um just by virtue of pete and russ knowing each other i thought that would have been a close game you know maybe a one score game sure enough it was i thought the 49ers game um would have been a defensive slugfest obviously that didn't happen they have a lot more issues out of the gate on defense than i than i think some anticipated at least myself uh, us fellow optimists anyway right um (laughs) But then I really thought this Falcons game was a game, uh, even in preseason, that I thought that's a game they should win. Um, And it was a one score game. So, you know, a a lucky bounce here or there, and they could have squeaked it out. Now that said, they, even though they they didn't win it, if they had won it, they didn't almost win it in the way I thought they would have almost won it Um, because we have this weird inversion that the defense is underperforming relative to expectation and the offense is overperforming. Relative to expectation, but, um, yeah, sitting at one and two, I definitely could have seen that it's slight disappointment, but not complete surprise at the same time. I don't think, I don't think them being one and two outright precludes them from going on a run at some point, if they kind of get their act together, um, because they've got an offense that currently is above average by most advanced metrics. So that's, that's a huge positive and nobody anticipated this. Um, I Um Well, most people didn't. Um, and I'm not saying that I necessarily outright predicted that. I just thought it was a possibility. Um So, yeah, that's kind of where my take is at for the offense at the moment.
0: I, I agree in where we are record-wise. I, I'm going to admit it. I only predicted this team to win five to seven games. I did not expect... Um, You know, as, as some did that, they were going to be this robust team that was going to do well throughout the entire season. I thought there would be starts and stops. Um, injuries always play an issue, that sort of thing. But I also expected this defense, like you mentioned, to be the dominant factor. And that Geno Smith was going to be a serviceable quarterback, that he was going to be able to get us from A to B when necessary. I also thought that almost every single game was going to be a tight game. And it just depended on whether or not the Seahawks could tilt that game in their favor by a field goal, by, you know, a touchdown. But they were going to be one score games. They were going to be tight. Seattle is going to be able to do that in some games and not in others. And once again, I assumed it would be the defense that would make those big plays. Now, we could spend an entire hour debating and talking about this defense right now. And I'm sure everyone, every other podcast is doing it because it does seem to be a mess. But that isn't what I wanted to focus on today. I really wanted to focus on this offense because like you said, it has become this, to be honest with you, surprise, like this very nice surprise that I don't think a lot of people expected. You have been pro Geno Smith for a while now, and I'm not going to lie. I really thought it was a bit at first. I thought like you were making fun. Like I really was like, is he serious? I asked people if you were serious or not, and, you stuck and you're not with the only it.
1: one to ask that, by the way. Uh, i'm ask sure other not people. yeah is this guy okay Oh um, yeah
0: right. are, are we is he kidding like we couldn't tell no exactly and yeah. so i know that maybe i you know sometimes we overstate our confidence in, sure. in people but what is your feeling about gene because you've been so positive yeah. about gino yeah.
1: so it, it's it wasn't a bit in that i was i was um genuinely more optimistic than most and thought well they have a chance here the um my special mode, I guess you could call on Twitter, um, is more me kind of poking fun at myself. Cause like, yeah, I get it. It's Gino Smith there. Are, I understand. So I leaned into it a little bit, you know? Um, but so, yeah, my optimism came from one, I, I hadn't settled on Gino. Like I hadn't wrapped my head around, like trying, taking my stab at unpacking what he could be, what he was last year, what he's been up into this point in the league until I realized, okay, they After they traded Russ, they're not trading for a veteran at the time. I was, I was pretty keen on like, hey, throw a day two pick for Matt Ryan or Ryan Tannehill and take on the contract because I think the team, if they keep the right guys, is set to go compete again. Um, And then I thought, okay, that's not happening. So, uh, are they going to draft someone this year? And then I really got into Desmond Ritter. I wasn't really big on the other quarterbacks in the draft, but I thought, okay, Ritter fits the 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 Waldron McVeigh offense kind of almost to a t. Sure enough, he gets drafted by the Falcons, who whose head coach comes from the same same tree. So he's in a he's in a uh, scheme fit at the moment. Um, but so then it dawned on me like, wow, okay, it's really gonna be Gino or Drew Locke. Um, so I started to unpack them a little bit and I watched Drew Locke. I saw the talent. I I saw why you would get excited. I could see, you know, the the path forward. You know, if X, Y, and Z happens, you know, maybe, you know, maybe Pete Carroll and his his way like their locker room culture maybe something clicks um but then i i went back and i dove really deep into every single geno snap that he played for seattle last year and i think uh from a bird's eye view we remember he came in the rams and he actually played pretty inspiringly like within in that game um and then he had the the Steelers and saints game and the offense didn't do much um then he had the jags game and he was just on fire that game It's easy to say, well, they're the Jags. Okay. We don't need to, we don't need to really think twice here. And that's, I was kind of in the same boat. I'm like, sure. He played well. I'll give him that game. He played well in the Jags game played well in the Rams game. Saints and Steelers had good defenses. Okay. I don't need to think twice about Gino ever again. Cause Russ is back. I didn't think they were going to trade him. I didn't think Russ wanted out either, which is its own separate conversation. Right. Um, but then sure enough, it led us back to, okay, it's Gino. So I went back and watched those games and in the the Saints and Steelers games, um, on any given snap, watching this tape, I didn't come away thinking he's not actually playing poorly. Like, his processing is good here. If nothing's open, you can only do so much. He can only execute structure, but the structure isn't providing for him. You see he's checking a lot of boxes of, well, at least in, like, non-play action dropbacks, he's getting the ball out he's working the pocket well he's trying to get to the open receiver he's he's reading the defense correctly he's not making a bad like any bad mistakes um he was able to hit when he did throw deep which was fairly infrequently but when he did throw deep more so in that 20 to 35-ish yard range to um to dk and tyler he was hitting them um so i'm thinking okay He's taking over an offense that is practicing an offense meant for a quarterback like Russell Wilson. So if we can kind of pinpoint the things that Gino's doing well and consider that they didn't run a lot of that when he was playing, if they give him a full training camp with the repping, getting reps with the ones, and they actually build out of those snippets that we did see that was Gino oriented, and they grow from there what what can possibly happen here is he can he be something like what we think of like Kirk Cousins or Ryan Tannehill you know these um these quarterbacks that are not particularly exciting if you strip them down to their like requisite parts but you put them in the right team you get the right talent around them and you build the scheme accordingly they can get you above average efficiency so i'm thinking Gino's in their ballpark talent wise um the the decision making is sound I don't see why it's impossible for them to be better than we might think. Now, full disclosure, I had said many times on Twitter, and maybe this was me trying to hedge because I wasn't sure if I should believe what I was seeing to the extent that I was, because granted, it was only four games that I'm basing this off of. I said, okay, I think the most likely scenario is that Seattle's anywhere between like 19 and 24 in ranked efficiency. So like still below average, but not like bottom five, bottom seven, nothing horrific, but firmly below average. Then I thought, okay, well, what's the next most likely scenario? That well, they can probably approach average. And then third most likely scenario, okay, maybe bottom five, but then maybe that's just right behind that is them pushing above average. So we're technically right now, I think they're the 12th ranked offense and efficiency, 12th ranked passing offense inefficiency as well. And that's technically my fourth prediction that I, you know, put out on Twitter. Um, but the, the idea that he's, that they can operate as an actual offense. They have the talent too, they have the scheme, they have the quarterback to do it. Um, so far that's holding and only three weeks in, sure. Um, but it's pretty cool to see. And it's great for him as well because he waited eight long years to get another stab at a starting gig. So yeah, here we are.
0: You know, it is really, it's so true. And it's really interesting Because I think most of us thought, like you did, that someone else would come in. Everyone was screaming for Gardner Minshew there for a little bit, all of that. Um, But Pete didn't really ever waver. Now, the question mark, whether it was a true quarterback competition, you know, kind of went back and forth. But I think what we are seeing from Gino now is probably what Pete saw in training camp. Because they kept saying, well, they just kept letting letting him start. They're not even giving Drew a, a chance. Well, maybe that's because this is what he saw. He saw how this could be run. He saw how he fit the scheme. And he, he already knew, I hate to say he knew the team because, you know, that's not really fair to Drew Luck, but it is true. He's, you know, already yeah. knew the culture. He knew what was expected of him, that sort of thing. Um And then at the beginning of the season, what those stupid rankings, which people do not take those seriously. I hate I hate power rankings. I hate all of that. But the quarterback rankings, you know, they had him down at like 32 or something horrible. And I love that he has been able to prove them wrong because he was a starting level quarterback in this league. And. But God help him, it was with the Jets. I still feel bad for anybody, you know, who had to be with the Jets back then. But he has really seemed to have, you know, embraced this second chance. Um, and he's running with it. What, within this offense, is he doing well? What do you see from him that is possibly something that Russell, I don't want to say couldn't do because Russell, I think he's a level of quarterback. He could can do anything. But is doing that's different that's working for him um what is he doing that's right that's allowing him to get these great numbers
1: i think comparing and contrasting him with russ is it's so important yeah. it's, it's 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 really hard but it's it's it, it proves kind of a a football point because any comparisons are made should or, or should be made within the idea that Russ is still like when he's healthy. Like I know Denver's they're off to a, a little bit of a rough start on offense, but new team new situation. I mean, Russ is still a better quarterback than Geno Smith, like yes, far none. Mm-hmm. significantly. However, there are still some things that you could rattle off a list of that Geno does better than Wilson. And so from that standpoint, I mean, I think that provides some commentary on Wilson, but it also provides commentary on Geno. So, it's from those things they are building the offense and i think pete carroll he doesn't really have as many core fundamental beliefs about offense that i think that many of that we've spoken about him i think we've i'm not calling anyone out at all but i'm saying and it's easy to do sure. this i've done it myself if in fact i'm really speaking for myself here i've conflated what pete wants about with from his offense from what he did with russell wilson i think i've mis- had mistaken the chicken for the egg for some years Really, his philosophy is, hey, what is the most important player on the field, my quarterback? What is? What do they do well? And then, okay, I'm going to do as much of the things they do well and as little of the th- the things that they don't do well. And we're going to build our offense from there so that we're in the right ballpark. Like you wouldn't ask, at least 15 years ago, you wouldn't ask a seven-foot-tall center in basketball to shoot threes. You'd ask him to post up and get those skyhooks going and rebound and you know, block shots, right? Of course now you're asking him to shoot threes but uh so with with russ it was okay these are his concepts that they do we're going to run them at an extraordinarily high rate this is what gino does well we're going to run those at an extraordinary high rate um and what those are are in pure dropback scenarios so when they're not um when they're not running play action it's early down they're in the shotgun um He can attack the field, the full distance of the field, not necessarily vertically, but horizontally within a certain vertical distance. He can do that well enough um, so that the passing attack is self-balancing so that basically any given play is buoyed by the fact that you have other passing plays that can essentially keep them viable. So therefore, when you're, so say here, when you're in shotgun, um, they are no longer running the ball when they're in shotgun right now. And the reason is for that is because they believe that when they're in shotgun, Geno Smith can be efficient without a running game, just pure drop back, getting the ball, bang, bang, bang. That's why he's doing so well on third downs right now. It's a pure passing down. So when they're in shotgun on early downs, the defense knows, okay, they only pass the ball. So we're going to present a defense that defends the pass. And Gino's still carving them up. And yeah, it's still in the 10 to 12 yard range, 10 to 20 yard range, maybe even five to 20 yard range, but they can march down the field that way. So when you're not gun running, which they did do with Wilson, but when you're not, when you're no longer gun running, what do you do with those snaps that you've shaved out of your gun sample? You can throw them into under center. And then if you're d- doing more under center, that essentially means more under center play action, which is kind of a, um, a premium right now in the off- in the offensive league and that's where someone like shane waldron a offensive coordinator you know from that quote unquote shanny mcveigh tree right where they can take any i'm not saying gino is this but the idea is they can take any schmuck quarterback and say all right we can we, we can we can get any anything out of them uh in under center so but you can only do that though if your quarterback is super is super efficient when they are in guns so They're able to play around with their tendency splits now with him. Um, Obviously, like they don't have the the silver bullet that Russ has where you can go deep downfield at any point whenever you feel like it. Um, But Gino is a stable drop back passer. He's executing what they're calling. And so they know what to expect from him, even though they know in the macro Russ would produce more points than Gino. They don't necessarily know what to expect from Russ in any given play. So it makes it difficult to know what to scheme for him so that when things when when Russ has a bad game, the overarching offensive premise doesn't seem to make any sense because he's, the deep ball isn't coming, they are taking a lot of sacks, and we're all sitting at home on the couch going, "What is this? What is this supposed to be?" And that's when it doesn't work. Whereas, you take a quarterback that isn't as good as Russ but is still respectable, like Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, when they have a bad game it's still, everything still look, looks like it makes sense. It's just, everything comes down a little bit, like each category. It's like, okay, not executing here, not executing there, but what I'm seeing still looks like a semblance of an NFL offense. So it's because they're working from concepts, working out of past concepts that are inherently more stable if executed. And that's what Gino doing right now. He's executing in these concepts, these providing stability. They're able to keep drives going. Um, and that allows then Waldron to kind of live in his world, like okay, where it's it almost doesn't matter who the quarterback is because I'll dial it up, dial it up for him. Now Gino's still doing well within that. Don't get me wrong, um, you still have to have a level of play there, but it's it's it, you kind of can enter that world of the offense is greater than the sum of its parts, and Gino's doing his part, which allows Waldron to do his part, and DK and Tyler to do their part, and that's how they're managing what they're managing right now.
0: What are you seeing in Waldron's offense this year that you like? What is standing out to you that it is new or being done better or more complete in this offense this year with this group of players?
1: What's what's really cool is their use of the pistol formation. And it's so and the and they're able to use pistol Again, because Geno can be efficient with like a 90% pass rate when they're a shotgun, that gives you flexibility normally. So with Jared Goff, they would push all those extra snaps that they have into under center. And under center with them would be, okay, we're only doing two things. We're either running outside zone or we're running play action off of that run action. And that was it. What they're doing is instead of they're cutting their under center snaps in half, but they're taking that half and they're putting it in the pistol with where the running back is behind the quarterback but the quarterback's in shotgun. So from this pistol formation, they can run their under center concepts, their under center runs, they can run their under center play actions, but be- by virtue of the quarterback also being in shotgun himself, you can also run gun dropback whenever you feel like it, even though it's out of the pistol formation. So what that does for the defense is when you're in under center, they're going, okay, the defense goes, we know they're only going to do two things. Therefore, we build our offense when they're in under center around those tendencies if you do enough under center esque behavior and pistol they're going to treat you like you're an under center so that when you get into your pure drop back game or you're just throwing it no play action they're not in a defense that is meant to defend that so they're getting essentially free yards and even in the 49ers game when they were moving the ball it was when they were in pistol um and so so long as those pistol play actions work they will continue to defend you like you're an under center and if they continue to defend you like you're an under center, they're going to be very vulnerable when you get into your gun offense. And Gino's just executing the crud out of it. Tyler Lockett is having a great year, albeit a different year. Like he's not, the, the average depth of target isn't as great, right? Like it would be with Russ, but the efficiency is off the charts right now. Um, so th- that part is very cool. It, it, it makes it very difficult on the defense. And it's something that I think will compound and get even better for them as the season goes on, because it's all about tendency. The defense doesn't know what you're going to do, so then they don't know what to defend. If they if they then start to go, okay, we need to defend the pass more here, then the, the average pistol run will increase, and the average pistol play action will also do better. So you're stretching the defense in all directions, and all you're doing is toying with tendency. The plays themselves are essentially the same from gun to pistol to under center. It's just the formation you're doing it in.
0: There was a lot of excitement when Waldron came to town. and And we know that Russell Wilson had a large hand in that. Um and then there was a, seemed to be a lot of disappointment surrounding him last year. So it is kind of nice to see this year to to watch what his vision was, you know, really kind of come together and 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 be put into play. And this is no disrespect to Russ, but with a quarterback who has more options to him, he might not be as efficient, but he just seems to have more options. You know, it was so funny during these games, you'll see, you know, a play across the middle and we everyone gives Russ a bad time. He can't throw across the middle and the Denver fans will now argue that till they're blue in the face. And that's good for them. Support your quarterback. But um you know, and then the Seahawks fans would explode. And it was just, it's so funny that to see more tight end usage and things yeah. like that. it It's just been nice to see. And this comes from, I think, 10 years of having the same quarterback. Sure. It's nice to see some new and fresh that you get with new personnel. Are you going to get the wins? Probably not this year, but you can see the development of the offense. And, and to me, that's very exciting.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's the, the novelty of it in and of itself. Yeah, it, it is exciting. I I agree. Um, you know, I, th- I think you and I, we, we both appreciate Russ and like an elite quarterback right at the end of the day, but, um, yeah, g- we didn't see a lot of intermediate targets o- over the years. Um, it's kind of, it's every time it happens, it's like, Whoa, that that's a thing when, when Gino does go over the mill to Will Disley, or even DK Metcalf up the scene that got dropped or, to know a fan or a Tyler, it's like, whoa, that's the thing Uh, I'm not used to. Look at that. Right. Um, and you know, like going over the middle in and of itself isn't a panacea for an offense, but it's more the principle of being able to use the whole field. Again, Mm -hmm. Gino can't go super deep downfield, but he's not Jimmy Garoppolo. He will use the sidelines. He will, he will, he's not even Jared Goff, he'll, he'll, he'll throw, he'll throw those fades. They'll just be a little shorter. They won't be the 40, 50 yarders. They'll be the 25, 35 yarders. Um, so it's, it's, it is, it is pretty cool that, that he is able to go over the middle and that's why they're able to run the, the breadth of dropback concepts they're running. That's okay. part of the reason why they're so efficient in shotgun, which then allows them to do what they want to do in under center and then pistol. So, um, yeah, and then that's, that's where Gino thrives. It, it also stems back to quarterbacks have strengths. If, if you, I, I, I don't recommend doing this, but if you go back and watch the broadcast games that are available, the New York Jets on YouTube from 2013 to 2014, if you isolate what Gino does best, it's the concepts that Seattle's building out of right now. It's just the Jets, for some reason, didn't run a lot of them, but it's working high lows over the middle. It's Gino in three-step or five-step, seven-step drops, just kind of reading the, reading the defense, getting the ball out, hitting the open guy, Kind of in between the numbers um sure enough he just happens to be on a team who at least Waldron, and the team that he came from the rams their drop back game builds the whole boat out of that so it's kind of a right place right time for gino as far as from his perspective
0: that's exciting um i don't and i don't want to give anyone the wrong idea I am still very excited about a rookie quarterback next year. I'm not I'm, next week's show that I'm doing is all about the rookie quarterbacks. I'm I'm very excited about that. But I love that Gino is able to put himself in the position to if when, fingers crossed, when Seattle goes and gets this rookie quarterback, that he's in a position that he might be picked up by another team because of how well he's played this year. I think that that's wonderful. That excites me for him. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the position groups. Everyone assumes that this team was going to be super run heavy with the way Rashad Penny played at the end of last year with Pete Carroll being the head coach. Mm-hmm. And all we do is hear about that. Pete likes to run the ball. Um, and so far in these three games, I mean, they're running the ball and I was, you know, very excited about Kenneth Walker. I know I was one of the few people, but I'm really excited about Kenneth Walker. Um, but it feels almost like to me, and this is just from me, just literally not diving deep into the games, just watching the games that the, the running game is, is having a little bit of a hard time getting off the ground. Is, is that the correct assessment? And if so, is that just because that's what teams are, that defenses are scheming for. Cause that's what they expect.
1: Oh, I agree with you that it's not getting off the ground. Like, like mm-hmm. we'd want, I mean, after all they ended the year last year with a almost historical level of efficiency. And I think we all expected it to come down a little bit, but how far do you have to fall was the question. Right. And they've fallen further than I think we wanted. I think part of it is that Charles cross, who is going to be a stud, he's a better pass protector, that he, he factors to be a better pass protector than a run blocker long-term Dwayne Brown was still blocking people toward the end. Um, I think Charles Cross was the right move to make, especially when he got that 10th or the ninth pick, what they got in the, from the trade. Um, so I think that's part of it. And the other flip side of it is Abraham Lucas kind of similar scenario. He's a better pass protector than he was a run blocker. And I think that's why he ended up winning the job over Jake Curran. Jake Curran was a fantastic run blocker last year um, and Lucas has the skills and the traits and the, and the, you know, the effort and all that stuff to get to that point. Um, but I think it was just maybe lightning in the bottle, lightning in the bottle last year, and they can't quite capture that. The other element is that, um, the injuries at guard in the interior, they can't get continuity. And, uh, you know, that, that's so important because the center and the guard, they have to get chemistry with one another. They kind of have to know what the other guy's going to do when they're run blocking a guy. Um, without saying anything, and that's just reps together. So um, that said, I think the Falcons game, Penny did get some did get some more runs, um, or he did get better run this game, um, and I think that was because Damian Lewis was back in there. Gabe Jackson had a little bit of a bounce-back game. Uh, Austin Blythe was nursing a sore shoulder. Um, he didn't have a great game. But like when those five are really rolling and they can string together five weeks together, I mean, even three weeks would do, would do a lot for them. I think they'll get the ball rolling there. Um, yeah, but I I think a lot of it's personal really also Ethan Posick was run blocking everybody to end the year last year. And I don't know where that came from, but it happened. Austin Blythe hasn't been to that level. Although I still think Blythe is a better center than Posick long-term, but, um, I don't know. It was just a perfect storm that went their way to end the season last year in the run game. Hopefully I think they can recapture some of that. But we'll just to wait and see.
0: Right. I and and I love what I'm seeing from the players themselves. I mean, the couple of runs Penny has peeled off, even the ones that are called back. I mean, they he looks like he's just ready to go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I actually yeah. really like DJ, you know, Dallas too. And I think that that they just really are are, you know, it's a strong group. And so I really hope that they figure that out. Um, Obviously we talked a little bit about the tight end usage has been greatly increased. And um, I think that I, I'll admit it as one of the people were like, how many tight ends does this team need? Like at one point, I think they had six on the roster. Like it was so many. Um, And so I, I, I'm, I'm encouraged by that. One thing that has been brought up and truly in the grand scheme of things, it means nothing, but the fantasy football numbers, obviously for Tyler and DK have dropped because they aren't getting those super, you know, long balls. They're not getting the 50 yard bombs, you know, down the side, whatever that they used to get. And yet I feel like the wide receivers are being used more properly, like you mentioned before, because they have the full width of the field. And do you think that that over time there'll be more of a balance. I, I just feel like, you know, so Tyler Lockett has 211 yards right now. Um, DK has 135 over three games. That just seems low to me. Um, mm-hmm. and so, but the tight ends are doing, you know, really well, um, for tight ends for Seattle tight end, I should say for Seattle tight ends, we're not talking sure. about Travis Kelsey sure. here people, you know, sure. so, sure. um, I just feel like I think at some point those numbers have to start going up, especially for DK Metcalf.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, so, so we we saw uh, that was a big talk of after the 49ers game, right where they right. they weren't they weren't trying to go down the field very much um, or when they did it just he wasn't open because they were scheming scheming to take him away. Um, they did make more of a concerted concerted effort this game against the Falcons to try to um, try to get him going. And, you know, Gino under, under, threw that one. Um, I right. think it's more, they they just need to hit those. And I think like that throw and also that throw to Marquise Goodwin up the seam, it shows Gino Smith's like the, the, the talent, the, the pure arm talent ceiling and both of those throws, he's fairly stationary and he doesn't step up into the throw, you know, right decision, right read, but he ends up under throwing it. When he has gone deep and like really deep, Um, it's when you see him hitching up in the pocket, like almost like a crow hop, like a baseball player in the outfield or softball player. And just able to uncork it, right. And get way down there. He has the arm to make those throws, but he needs to, they need to give him those routes and certain types of drops where he can get his full body into it. Um, So, because otherwise he's not like Russ where Russ could be, his feet could be and shoulders could be looking to the right, and then his eyes see DK screaming down the field of the left. He's not even in the reading of the play, and he's like, Oh crap! And then he just his whole body flips and he just uncorks one. Like, Gino can't do that. Um, so but Gino can do, get deep and explosive in structure, kind of like we saw in the preseason game, um, like up the seam to Kay Johnson or down the left sideline to Penny Hart or even down the left sideline to Derek Young where Derek Young couldn't, he didn't, he dropped it. He couldn't quite reel it in. Those were great balls. Perfect on the money, not super deep, but deep enough to be like, okay, this offense can get explosive. If you look at Gino, each one of those, he can put his full body into it. Um, the ones, those opportunities as they've presented himself, he's making great decisions. What's cool about it is that at least minus the DK fade ball, those plays, they weren't necessarily explosive-oriented. It's just it's in the progression. If you think it's a viable option, go for it. The fact that he can access those plays with his process when they're not necessarily trying to dial it up and tee it up for him is pretty cool. They just need to find a way to, to marry his process with his arm talent so that they can get explosive. Um, I, I mean, yeah, so I think with that, DK's production, especially down the sideline, we'll follow some um i think beyond that though like dk needs to corral some of these catches that he's not quite corralling and they were tough situations like you can make he got held on one of them still catchable the ball got tipped on the other one still catchable but you know like that's where you're kind of being hard on him i think just for the sake of being hard on him but you still see where like it's still a difficult situation i think they have their process they just need to keep at it and what will allow them to get deeper down the field as if the protection plays like it did against Atlanta. If it plays like it did against the 49ers, they probably don't have a chance. If they do it like they did against Atlanta. Who knows? And they just got to keep, keep, keep working at it. Keep working through those, those struggle spots. So
0: we do have to remember it's only been three weeks, right? It's only been I, I, three weeks. Yeah. Right. We, we have this saying, um, that uh, with this group of friends of mine that you don't know who a team is until really weeks four to six. I mean, really that's when teams settle in. And so it'll be really interesting to see over the next few weeks, this develop even more. Um, I want to know, where do you see them going from here? And I, I don't need predictions. You can give me win losses if you want, but what is the trajectory in your opinion for this offense in particular once again the defense it's a whole nother show people take forever but for the offense what is what is where do you see this offense going and what it what do you see it doing throughout the rest of the season
1: I think if if we if we kind of try to throw out what the results have been which is again like we talked about kind of mostly good Mm -hmm. we if we throw that out I think and just look at Gino's process I think his process, like even in the 49ers game has been so solid enough to say that he's kind of the independent variable here. If the, this very young fledgling, but talented offensive line continues to grow and stack weeks and sees maybe some exponential growth, because I think just pure talent, like you might even put them in the top half of the league with Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas in there. And personally, I'm pretty high on, um, on Damian Lewis. Um just needs to, you know, like we say, put it all together, right? If, if those, if that group hits their stride and if Gino, if, if my theory that Gino is the independent variable in the equation, then theoretically with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and Noah Fant and even Will Disley and Colby Parkinson, this offense could greatly exceed expectations. Um, they might run into an elite defense that shuts them down, but I think that They'll go as the offensive line goes, and that means that they have the quarterback that can that can not leave any meat on the bone that Waldron schemes up, and that they're, the talent at the pass-catching positions allows them to to get. So um, I don't know. I think their offense can actually be a, um, a an asset to them. But I think they can be an above-average offense, uh, like legitimately, where it's like firmly, okay, Seattle's offense, you got to look out for it type of situation but i think it hinges on that offensive line but they're making strides it hasn't been horrific up front they've had they had a rough game but like even in the broncos game the first half they played really well charles cross had some rookie moments in the second half beyond that they've been pretty good so they can get better too so that's kind of where where my take is there
0: Oh my gosh. I, I agree with you. That line makes me real happy. I'm not going to lie. I I'm so thrilled. And it's, like I see them make these little rookie mistakes. and like, it's only game two, honey. just relax. You'll be fine. You know, it just, it just makes me so excited because, um, you know, it it, The line was supposedly the issue for so long and they really seem to have put in some um, some great pieces there. I'm thrilled with it. Um, Griff, let everyone know. I, I think everyone that follows field goals probably already follows you because you have a great following. But let everyone know where they can find you. And please tell us about your podcast
1: uh well, well thanks for the kind words there um okay. yeah you can follow me um on twitter at um c mike's spin move that's c mike possessive s and then spin moves so c-m-i-k-e-s-s-p-i-n-m-o-v-e it's supposed to be the personification of the one kristen michael his spin move yeah uh we might remember that move um <laughs> love it <laughs> uh yeah you can you can find me there on twitter i also do a podcast uh, with my pals, uh, Maddie Brown and Ty Dan Gonzalez called Seattle Overload. You just If you're interested, you can just Google that or type it on Twitter. You'll, you'll find it. Um, and yeah, we just we just talk about Seahawks, try to unpack what's happening, try to predict what might happen next, um, and just roll with it like many of us do. So yeah, that's, that's where you can find me.
0: Love it. I appreciate your time and your knowledge. At the deep dive into the offense, I think it's going to make people feel a little bit better this week. <laughs>
1: Well, oh, well, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, this. This is a defense where they can, I think, have a repeat performance against the Falcons and maybe even fix some of their kind of second half issues too. So,
0: it's going to be exciting. All right, everyone, that is the Field Goal Podcast for this week. We hope you'll be back again next week. Bye bye.